0: Hey everyone, Ali here, advanced sports dietitian from Compete Nutrition. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Waffle. In this episode, we are discussing all things behavior change and the why and how behind the knowledge that we know how to eat and we know how to exercise, but what is stopping us from implementing that change and sustaining it long term. So we talk a lot about different behavior changes and friction points and realigning our outlook, our positive outlook on changing nutrition habits but also what tools we have in the tool belt and how we can access those outside of just following a nutrition plan. So our clients and listeners come up with some real pillars of wisdom in this episode. It's a repurposed one from one of our live Q&A's and we are super excited to be launching our coaching membership where we can really delve into all these sorts of behavior changes that create lasting success. So if you do have any other questions, we would love to hear from you on our socials. So please get in touch. Otherwise, enjoy this episode.
1: Thanks for joining, guys. We are talking all things coaching and behavior change tonight. So... We are going to be sort of dabbling in the realms, I guess, of um, counselling and psychology, which is a space that I think a lot of dietitians really love. And I, for one, absolutely do. I think if I wasn't a dietitian or actually even still as a dietitian, I think it's really a space that I I like to explore more. And short of doing a psychology degree, we try and um, upskill in the psych space a lot, working alongside psychologists and um, behavioural therapists and things like that to really gain insight into okay as dietitians we have um, this scope where we understand how food can help um, and how changing nutrition can uh, lead to desirable outcomes but some people know this as well and really want to change but don't change very readily oh amelia you'll need to chime in then if you teach psych at school now grade 11 and 12 that's fantastic you know it's such a big part of human interaction and it forms such a big part of what we do as dietitians Often people want to change their habits, so they decide to go from one extreme to another. Absolutely, Chad, Um, you want to feel good this week and therefore you have to cut chocolate out 100%. You've basically just nailed everything I'm gonna talk about, so let's just wrap up, I'm done. (laughs) Um, So we'll go through some of those concepts. You're 100% right, Chad, you can't change your approach so quickly and dramatically. yeah realize at the end of the week that everything grows out um the windows the windows the window um we're just having a little conversation here so basically um as dietitians at compete we had sort of and it was you know what even before i came on board there was kind of this this gap emerging where what we do is um provide people with knowledge right And we also provide them with tools that will help them along the way. So here's a nutrition plan that's tailored to you and uh, accounts for your preferences and accounts for the logistics of your lifestyle and all those elements that, uh, really encompass or, or nurture someone to be able to make positive change towards their goals. And then we still see for some reason that they've got all these fantastic tools, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And sometimes, um, we have discussions around people's motivation. So readiness to change, for example, just isn't quite there yet. And this is a really interesting concept that we'll delve into a little bit as well. Now, for this reason, um, we're, we're launching a, a new membership category, I guess. And it was basically for that purpose. You know, we have all these fantastic tools to provide, but how can we then nurture someone to be able to figure out what their friction points are? And figure out what steps they need to implement very specifically to themselves and their environment and what's happening in their life at that point in time that will see them succeed or be able to break through that little friction point or barrier that's going to see them continue on the path to success or to um, reaching their goal and maintaining that goal um, in a positive space. Um, So the first one that we're going to discuss is setting goals to celebrate daily. And this might sound cheesy. It might sound like, well, if I'm celebrating a goal daily, then I haven't really set the bar high enough. And that's precisely where we need to start. If you've got goals to celebrate daily and little wins that you're kicking constantly, you're basically reframing. So you're reframing from a negative to a positive. A really simple example is one that I try and practice in the household daily. I have a very forgetful other half and, I'll often say, don't forget your keys, don't forget your wallet. And I'm slowly but surely rewiring to phrase that as, remember your keys, remember your phone, Uh, and those sorts of elements where it's a positive reinforcement. And that could be something that you're telling someone else or that you're uh, framing for yourself. Remember to have an extra serve of vegetables. Remember to pack your running shoes, whatever it might be. If you're focusing on that positive element of the change, you're already setting yourself up for success. Um, And there are are plenty of studies on positive self-talk and and positive association with behavior change uh, that far outweigh and see greater success than tying that to a negative. Don't eat the chocolate, like you said, Chad. So focusing on the positives also just simply leave less room for negative um, associations, negative habits, negative self-talk. Thank you, not sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many fantastic ones that we can just be reminding. Thank you for waiting instead of sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really beautiful example, Amelia. Um, Thank you for waiting instead of sorry I was late. It just rephrases it and, and keeps it positive. And if you can lull yourself into that positive headspace more often than not, what you will find is that instead of the guilt associations with not achieving an outcome that you wanted to achieve, you're finding the positives in those um, in those negatives almost. And what I also wanted to talk about was uh, there's a positive in failure. So a lot of people, a lot of clients we work with will often have that mentality of, I need to succeed and I need to do this the right way uh, or the way that I set out to. And what often happens is as soon as you upset that apple cart, as soon as you're not achieving what you had said you were going to achieve, there's the guilt association, there's the, well, I may as well not, not finish what I set out to finish today, or start again tomorrow, or start again next week, or whatever it might be. Um, And I can't believe I stuffed up again. I can't believe I'm a failure. I feel so guilty for giving in to that burger, or I feel so guilty for sleeping in this morning and not getting up and exercising. And there there are so many elements of negative self-talk, which we'll go into in a little bit more detail, that bring us back down and don't help propel us towards what we had set out to achieve. So reframing failure as a learning opportunity is very powerful. And interestingly, when I work with clients surrounding failure being a real positive, sometimes they get really frustrated with me, which is understandable. But I guess because it's something that I've seen many times before in this uh, nutrition and exercise space, you can use it in any other space that you're working in, but because I've seen it so many times before, where I jump on that as an opportunity to learn. A lot of people will think, well, I've I failed and I didn't achieve what I'd set out to, and I actually just feel like I'm back at square one again. That occurs a lot. And we see that sort of um, building of a habit, succeeding, succeeding, falling off the wagon, maybe just a little slip, and then getting back on track or maybe a full blown, um, slip all the way back down to the bottom of the slippery slide and having to climb the whole way back up again. I think a a really lovely element of even feeling like you're back at square one is you've been on a journey, right? You've developed tools that you've added to your tool belt. And in that process, you've learned how to unstick yourself. You've learned, okay, well, I know that doesn't work. Um, And that sort of had me slipping down that slippery slope once or twice or three times. But I've learned that if I can push through this friction point or this barrier in a particular way, then I can get around that. And even if you make that same mistake next time they say it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it, I I disagree in a sense. Because even if you make that mistake again, you found other ways um, to to not make that same mistake again. Um, and even if you make that mistake again, what you're doing is, um, is totally lost my train of thought. Making the same mistake again means that you come back stronger the next time you make it. So even if you slip up and, and you fall back into that old habit, You figure out, okay, yep, I've done it again, that's okay. I'm gonna be stronger in my approach next time. And the next time that you're still in that weak position um, and you feel yourself slipping back down that slope, you go, I remember this happened last time and I remember this is how I approached it and I think I'm actually gonna be strong enough this time to break through that barrier. Um, And that's a real win. So that's a really nice element of embracing failure and realizing that that uncomfortable space actually leads to really beautiful transformation. We teach the kids make failure matter. I love that, Amelia. Reframing failure as learning is, is super important and knowing that even if you feel like you're back at the very beginning, because you have that tool belt full of these new tools, square one might be square one, but you might advance a lot more quickly back to square 15 than you ever would have before and learning a lot more along the way. And once you get to square 15, you can then progress past that um, with a lot more ease than you used to be able to. And perhaps some more learnings along the way, which is really nice. The really uh, lovely thing about um, about being able to track this and about being able to be comfortable in failure is that if you do it right, you will break through those barriers. And a really practical, tangible way to do that is to reflect. Reflection is so important and that's what we offer in in the conversations that we're having and the questions that we're prompting and and, um, and Asking our clients is all right. A really common one that I ask is what did you do? Well? what went well and reframing that positive is really useful in the sense that I ate half a block of chocolate, but I usually eat a full block of chocolate so what did you do well? It, it, it's that whole half glass full mentality, but it's that I, I only ate half a block of chocolate this time. And in that you can also be asking, what can I do better next time? So there are some things that you can ask yourself. <clears throat> what I did well, um, I got up this morning. I didn't sleep in, granted I didn't exercise, but I got up and I did that well. What can I do better? Tomorrow morning I can get up and I can then go outdoors uh, and go for a walk or something like that. Um, or next time with the chocolate, I could try for you know a little bit less again. Whatever the situation might be, um, you can figure out what you can do better. The key to this is how can you then implement that change? So if you woke up and you actually made that first step of waking up early, um, how can you then move to being outside and getting that walk in or getting that run in or doing whatever it is that you wanted to do with exercise. And that might be, these are the tangible um, strategies that you can implement. Uh, I can lay my clothes out. I can get to bed earlier. I can set three alarms, I can organize to meet a friend, whatever it might be, that you think will be the path of least resistance that's a nice strategy for you is one to opt for. And we've tried to come up with as many of these strategies as we can brainstorm. And we're constantly learning from clients and we're constantly learning from behavioral psychologists and um, growing this database of fantastic behavior changes that we can utilize with clients. it's fascinating and I love the space and that's one thing that you can do whether you sit down at the end of the day and talk to um, someone in your household about what your reflections are or whether you talk to yourself like a little bit of a crazy person um, I do that a lot I find talking to myself is actually really useful as a tool a lot of people find journaling is really useful as a tool as well so actually writing it out or speaking it out consolidates that learning process and and the reflection process um so the next thing that i wanted to run through with you guys is uh why does more knowledge not always mean more success and this is that age old i know what to do but i'm just not doing it and this can relate to any form of behavior change any at all it doesn't necessarily need to be um, diet related or exercise related and I have a really good example of this for myself um, I know what to do. My physio has given me set instructions of what to do for a really simple not even exercise It's a breathing exercise um, And I know what to do, but I know how to do it I know why I should do it, but I'm just not really doing it the way I should be and um I think we hear this so much in the nutrition space, Uh, everyone seems to have so much knowledge. Um, Sometimes knowledge can actually be a negative, there's so much out there, a lot of people come with so much confusion and anxiety around all these different ideas of what to eat and why. implementing the the what to eat and why into the how, like we've kind of spoken about with reflection so far. Um, What did I do well? What can I do better? How am I going to do that? What do I need to do to achieve an outcome? Why do I want to achieve that outcome? So being being true to your motivation is really important, but then how am I going to implement that? What are going to be those, those steps that I put into place to do that? And why are they going to work for me? Or why aren't they going to work for me? And how can I... Um, tweak them so that they are going to work for me in the state that I'm in because and I say the state that I'm in because it might be that you're going really well for a couple of weeks and then you lose your job or you get sick or um, you go through a breakup or you know whatever it might be we can only juggle so many balls at once and sometimes what we think is is priority moves to the bottom of the pile and that's okay but it's then how we adapt our how to suit our current space and our current environment, or learn to be okay in the space that we just can't manage all these balls juggling in the air at once, and something's gotta give, and that's okay too because you can come back and pick up. So being kind to yourself as well. Um, And what I find, and I think what we all find at Compete, is that people come with a lot of knowledge. You guys are really educated surrounding nutrition. You have really good ideas about what it is that you should be eating and why and when but then putting it all into practice because there are so many different ways of doing it and so many success stories. What's going to work for you Um, and how are you gonna put that into place? So I think as well, another, Really interesting thing that I find is that the people who know most tend to implement lots of little bits from everything they've learned and what's happening is the body is just confused, um, let alone your own mind and your body's sort of going, I'm, I'm trying to work this way, but one week you're, you're on keto, one week you're on um, paleo, one week you're on intermittent fasting, I don't know, I don't know how to respond to this. So that sort of slow and steady, which is what no one wants to hear, but is actually where we see the magic happen with clients. The ones who appreciate that this process is actually long because it has to be easy, easy, incremental steps lead to an overall outcome. And with um, having, you know, trying one thing for three months, then trying something else for three months and dabbling in different spaces with all the knowledge that you have. Uh, what we tend to find is that you have some success, then you stop. And then you sort of regress back, and then you have some more success doing something else, and you've spent maybe a whole year trying different methods and having incremental success, but doing that sort of yo-yo whereas if you would just put one foot in front of the other and moved along slowly and consistently, that's a word that I think a lot of my clients find annoying, but realize that's really important that consistency is is really key in making small changes that all add up, and you look back a year down the track and all of a sudden you don't even recognize the person that you used to be in terms of headspace or physical shape or whatever it might be that you wanted to achieve. Hey, Tim. Hey, Jess. Off-season can lead to bad habits coming back. Absolutely. And it's finding, like I said, what phase you're in that's going to help you manage um, at that point in time because you're not always going to be in season. So how can you manage in those times? What behaviors will best suit you that um, match that chapter of the year or chapter of your life? Um, And the final thing that I just wanted to chat through, which I think is probably the most important, is how to set up a supportive framework and environment so that progress comes easily, um, almost uh, naturally, uh, without too much thought. So this is when habits become habits, I guess. This is where you're no longer having to consciously be aware all the time that these things are happening. And um leash directed me to a really great podcast recently on sigma nutrition and it was james clear talking about uh, behavior change and, and habits and there was a really nice element in what he said uh surrounding creating habit inventory so what do you do every day that you just do Um, I know one person who doesn't brush their teeth every day, but by and large, we all brush our teeth every day. By and large, most of us sleep every day. Um, there There are habits that we just do. Um, we get dressed, we make the bed or whatever makes the bed, but you know, there are these ingrained habits that we've, we've consolidated and reinforced time and time again, and we just do them. And a really nice part about doing a habit inventory is that if you write out everything that you do in a day, you start to identify and be able to rank uh, positive habits that are working towards your goal and ones that are preventing you from reaching your goal. Um, I say positive and I was going to say negative and that's totally fine. But what you want to do is find a neutral ground and not judge yourself for which habits are achieving what. So yes, they're happening and I acknowledge that. Do I wake up first thing in the morning and check Instagram? And is that positive or is that, is that moving away from where I want to be in terms of um, lifestyle change? Um, I'll come to your question in a second, Amelia. Um, So figuring out what habits you have and a really nice way to be able to implement small change is to, Um, First of all, find a cue. So what's going to trigger this this habit to be implemented? Do you need to put a big sign on your fridge? Do you need to put a big sign in, I keep a whiteboard marker in the bathroom and write things on the mirror? Um, Do you need to make sure something's visible in your line of sight? Um, Do you need to set a reminder on your phone? What is it that you need to do that's going to help help trigger that cue that's gonna say, hey, you're supposed to be doing this. Um, or you are supposed to be incorporating this or whatever it is? A really nice way to be able to implement that as well past the queue is then to anchor a new habit to a pre-existing habit, tying something in. What do you always do? Um, so I go back to my physio telling me to do these breathing exercises, and I'm I always drive and I always shower. So these are I haven't yet hit my goal of four times a day of doing this activity, which seems pretty excessive to me, but haven't quite hit that but I know there are two times in a day where I will when I'm driving and when I'm in the shower so I've taken advantage of those two and already I've hit 50% of my habit it's taken me longer than I would have liked to but I think another element of of behavior change is being okay with the fact that you're not going to master it overnight and this comes back to what you were saying Chad, at the beginning lots of people think that they can just go from zero to hero in terms of changing their habits and Social media plays a large part in that. You know, everyone seems like they're doing things perfectly all the time. And why shouldn't I be doing things perfectly when I when I want to change? Why can't I just change? Um, it doesn't seem to work that way, and it shouldn't. And what you need to be comfortable with is the fact that you might start to change a habit. You'll pick it up. You'll put it down. Something cause you to put it to the bottom and pile again in life and then you'll pick it up again and you would have new skills and tools in place to be able to get back to where you were more quickly um, and understand how to break through new barriers or friction points. But being okay with knowing that you're going to slip up, it's a part of the process. If you think you're gonna be perfect from the get-go, you're setting yourself up for failure. And we see the best success from clients who acknowledge that it's going to be a slow process and that there are going to be ups and downs. But if you think about it, if you're looking to achieve, say, this outcome, a linear response, I start here and let's just take a really simple one with weight loss and I wanna get to here with weight loss. Um, a lot of people don't realize that they might be having this journey along the way um but their their line of best fit is moving them in the right direction so while you might feel like you're not succeeding or you're moving backwards at a particular time point along that journey that's okay if we think about 365 days in a year even if um for 100 of those days you felt like you were going backwards a cumulative effect you're heading towards where you want to be going so i think it's really important to be kind to yourself was a really big point that i wanted to emphasize uh speaking with you guys tonight and it's something that obviously as um having the platform we have and being able to coach people through these things in the moment we're able to be that person we're able to be kind to you but i think uh and reassure you and all those elements but i think there's a large element of um, positive self-talk and how would you want to be talked to by your best friend or by your mum or you know by someone maybe who needs to be a bit more polite with you as well um sometimes and you know we're our own worst enemies and we have such negative self-talk and i'm definitely not going to put my hand up and say that i don't we all do um but i think the element here is that if you can actually speak to yourself positively and cut yourself a bit of slack in terms of okay you stuffed up today that's okay i can learn from this so if you and again talk out loud to yourself because it really does have positive impacts in terms of pausing in the moment and actually reflecting actively journal talk out loud out loud whatever it might be uh, but having that positive self-talk as if you were talking to someone you needed to be a bit more light with or reasonable with Would you ever talk to anyone? Um, the way you talk to yourself not likely uh, so catch yourself and and reframe that talk and Remember you can learn from failures and you're not a failure that failure doesn't define you it actually leads you towards success you are figuring out through your failures ways that you're not succeeding to eventually figure out how to succeed and how to consolidate a, a steady behaviour change that's going to um, work towards your goal. Um, those are the things that I wanted to touch on. I hope that was insightful. I think, you know, by providing some um, background as to the type of um Obstacles that we try and work through with clients, um, you know, with our collective experience over the years, and with our thirst for knowledge in that behaviour change space, and working with um, psychologists and and behavioural therapists and um, all the right people who can um, really help us with their brilliant knowledge in this space. As dietitians, you know, we, we can't just tell you what to eat. It doesn't work like that, um, and we all know that. and And I think it comes back to one of the first points that we spoke through in terms of reflection and figuring out what's gone well, what you can improve on, and then how you're gonna implement that. And if you're not sure on how, we've got a bunch of ideas for you. And um, it really is about workshopping things through and realizing that you're not gonna have all the answers overnight when you wanna make a change, but you will get there. And it's just about chipping away. You get closer and closer every time and you get closer and closer every time you fall down. Um, I think is a really big point here. I've talked for 25 minutes, I'm just going to have a look at Amelia's question. The obstacle is the way. I love it. Have you heard of stages of change model? Can you go backwards and forwards on this continuum? Absolutely. So um, Amelia, you can even prompt me, but there are are various um, stages of readiness to change. So there's stages of motivation, I guess. Um, And the the first stage is not even thinking about change. I forget what the um, categories are, but um, it's before you've even thought about the change happening. And then the next stage is you're thinking about changing, but you're not quite ready. And then the middle stage is that, yep, you're ready for change. then this is really unscientific in terms of what they're called, Then you're going through the change and it's actually happening and you're actioning something. And then you get to a final point, which is uh, mastering that change and um, being in um, a, a state of yeah, pre contemplation. Contemplation. Yep. Thank you. You needed to just prompt me. Perfect. Um, So you're not even contemplating in pre-contemplation stage, right? Um, It's not even on your radar and then you're contemplating and then I think there's an action phase um, and then a maintenance phase or something like that. But you absolutely move around um, and you don't even necessarily go from one to the next and back or whatever it might be. You can regress completely um, depending on what's going on in your life. So as we were speaking about before, you know, if there's a significant life event, and you're trying to juggle and balance all these balls all the time, sometimes all those balls drop depending on what that significant life event might be. And you're left to pick up the pieces after some time and, and you can be back to ground zero. Um, so I think that's where a lot of people will will sort of drop off the radar um, in nutrition and when they do and they come back, they say, I've just got to start again. I'm just starting from, from um, back to basics. And um, I think with with that concept, it, w- that's what we do reiterate, you're not back at square one, even though it might feel like it, you have learned so much on your journey so far. And we're just going to pick out the habits that worked really well for you and pick out the strategies that work really well for you. And also form new strategies, depending on what's happening in your life at the moment. Um, they're, they're really limitless. It's It's really about figuring out who you are and figuring out what works for you um and having that consistency in um making small changes. Who even thinks that much? <laughs> That's the thing you do. You have to think about it. Um, because if you're not thinking about it and you're not actively reflecting on it. You either have already formed a habit and it's subconscious or unconscious, and it's just happening, or you really need to put some thought into it. It requires quite a lot of work, Um, but I love that you say that, Pim, I think that's hilarious. Um, So, or are you talking about the preparation, action, maintenance, relapse? Ah, yes, Maddie, Love it. Um, Yeah, cool. We all got there in the end. (laughs) And we move through those phases. Absolutely. It's really cool literature. If you want to look it up You can look up the stages of change or stages of motivation um, And it comes up with that it it comes up in various diagrams Um, What is your favorite psychology thing you've implemented yourself? Oh, That's a really good question. I Think it's actually been um, Figuring out why someone falls into a habit that they really don't want to. And and funnily enough, Amelia, it's often just through conversation that a client and practitioner um, scenario, so I was, I was working with someone and we just sort of chatted and chatted and chatted and threw ideas around and finally realized, hang on, this is why you're eating those biscuits. Um, this is why it happens at this point in the house at this time of day um, and realizing that that wouldn't happen at another area of the house at a different time of day it was such a tie to where that person was in the house and what was happening at that time and what I what I think I love most about the psychology thing that I've implemented myself is that we, we realized that we both didn't have the answer but we put our heads together and had a real conversation about real human habits and behaviours and real emotions associated with food. Um, and that was just the instance in this case. And because we just talked about who we were as humans and what drove us to do things, really peeled it back to the basics of human behaviour, we were able to go, huh, oh my goodness. We both just had this moment, this, this um, breakthrough and um, I really do think it, it is breaking down that barrier. Maybe that's what it is, breaking down the barrier between being a dietitian and thinking you have all the answers and working with a client who is trying to find answers. We're all just trying to find answers. We're all completely different and individual. And that's where I think that answer, it depends comes into play so much. Because everyone's different and everyone has a different set of circumstances. But if we can just be real with each other and figure out how to be support one another Uh, and that's where you know the compete community comes into play it's not just about the dietitian and the client it's very much about what else has worked um in in, at the community level and what else are you struggling with and how has this worked for you and will this work for someone else and you know offering ideas around um I, i really do think it it just comes back to having real conversations and i love that part um so that is yeah probably my favorite psychology thing because it's not really a um, uh, an evidence-based approach but there is a lot of literature out there that would back up a lot of things that um we do in our everyday anyway with um coaching clients through friction points it's a really cool question thanks for asking amelia hey connie hey i don't know what your name is but lck Um, so unless there are any other questions or any, um, uh, insightful points, you guys have had some really cool insights, uh, so far, and it's been really, a really interesting topic to sit and have a yarn with you guys about. Um, so unless there's anything else at this point, oh, hey, Simon, you're going to have to go back and rewatch because we're just finishing up. Um, but it was a good one. I think you'll enjoy it not a real science according to my chemistry colleagues. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, but, but such an essential component. Hey, you know, we can throw all the science at calories in, best calories out, um, and look at all the bloods and and all the hormonal shifts and, you know, all the data points that we can possibly collect. Um, and, um, you know, we we can have all the data in the world, but I think, uh, the, the how, like we've spoken about, we can know the what, we can know the why, um, we can anchor it back to a real motivation, but if we can't figure out the how that suits us, um, you know, following someone else's how, will only get us so far. Um, so yeah, that is a little bit about coaching, a bit of insight into what we're working towards and what we're kind of piloting with a few clients at the moment. We're all super excited about it because it's definitely not a one size fits all in terms of let's start you want to plan and let's see how you go because some people have a lot of anxiety around having to follow something even if it does have flexibility in it so um yeah it's a pretty exciting space
0: And that is it for our coaching and behavior change compete waffle episode we hope you enjoyed listening and we hope that there were some concepts that resonated for you or some new tools to add to your tool belt in achieving the outcomes that you would like to achieve moving forward if you would like any more information or you do have questions we would absolutely love to hear from you if you head over to competenutrition.com we have a free preliminary assessment form on the website where you can fill out a few questions and we get back to you and have a chat about where you're at at the moment and what steps you can take moving forward. It's free, there are no obligations and it's just a really nice way to start that conversation about your nutrition journey. We really look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time on The Compete Waffle.